lives that would tell them that you're proud of them for braving the weather today. I'm proud of y'all for braving the weather today. Man, I was talking to a, a guy last night and he said, man, uh, he goes to the Stockton church. He said, are you worried about the weather, man? Does it, does it affect attendance? And I said, snow affects attendance. Rain affects attendance. Matter of fact, if there's too much sun, it affects attendance. Come on, somebody. So a perfect situation for a pastor is if it's 65 cloudy and the chiefs aren't playing. Am I right? Come on. Come on, come on. <laughs> but we do pray that the Chiefs throttle Denver. Amen. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be all over the place, but start in Matthew. Um, we're in this. Well, Merry Christmas, first of all. Merry Christmas. Happy to have you guys um, in the season. Now, don't we all love the Christmas season? Yeah, come on. We love it. We, we sure do. Now, as a pastor, I had someone ask me the other day, like, so, so is, it, is it your favorite? Is your life? Well, for, as a pastor, it's kind of tough because you're kind of put into this box of, of, of content, right? Like, like, if I go preaching out of Exodus in the end of December, people are like, this is heresy. I'm not coming back. Am I right? Like, like as a pastor, we're kind, of, we're kind of like, okay, we need to preach a theme of the Christmas story, amen, or, or some, something to that effect. And so, um, so my prayer is, always, God, help us to come up with creative ways um, to, to relay everyday truth, uh, even in the theme um, that is preset, uh, predestined from the beginning of time for pastors. Amen. Um, so we, we're in a new series. We got a, a slide. New series is called Tis the Season. Tis the Season. And today it is Tis the Season of Interruptions. Does anybody love interruptions? I didn't think so. No, <laughs> like, like, and for whatever reason, we get to Christmas time and it's like, there's tons and tons of interruptions. Like, it's a bad time. Is it a bad time to be a vet uh, in, in, in Christmas time? Like, do people quit taking care of their dog? I, I don't know. Like, is it a bad time uh, to be in construction? I, I don't know. Like, like, I just know that in my life, like, I'm trying to set meetings and do things and everybody always says, you got it after the holidays. Yeah, Pastor, let's do that. Let's talk more about that after the holidays. After the holidays, let's, let's set that up. After the holidays, let's, let's put a purchase order together. After the holidays, interruptions, guys, have a way of changing everything about our life. I was, um, we were running cows a lot of years ago, and um, it was, gosh, it was probably one in the morning, and this knock comes at the door like a real aggressive knock, and my wife wakes up, and I'm trying to sleep because it's like one in the morning, and she nudges me. She said, baby, there's someone at the door. They're knocking. I said, well, if, they, if we don't get up, they'll quit knocking and they'll leave. Come on, somebody. It's one in the morning. And she said, she said but what if they need something? I said, they'll go find it somewhere else. Come on, am I right? Like, like I know, what a horrible pastor. I know, I'm sorry. But she, they kept knocking, they kept knocking. She said, babe, you gotta get up and go do something. You gotta go check. Man, what, if they're, what if they're trying to, you gotta go check. You know, come on, man, you guys know what I'm saying. So I get out of bed and I go to the door and it's like one in the morning, guys. So I'm walking in there and I'm like, getting the sleep out of my eyes. Our, our house at the time, we had a door, then we had a window that was like 12 inches straight down right by the, uh, right by the front door. So I look out that door, look out the window, and I'm looking. Now it's one in the morning. What am I looking at? I can't see nothing. I'm looking, and just below me, there's, a, there's someone standing off the steps with a flashlight in my face, and I kind of jump, and I'm like, so I open the door, and it was a police officer with his flashlight on me. I said, can I help you, officer? He said, you got some cows out. Anybody ran cows know what I'm talking about. It's never convenient. Don't you wish they'd get out when you're home and, and, and ready to fix fence? And just me, okay, whatever. I'm happy. Your life is perfect. Anyhow, one in the morning, he's got his light on me. He says, he says you got cows out on 2025 road. I said, 
what? <laughs> I'm sleeping. Where? He said, on 2025 Road, right across the highway, you got cows out. Blah, blah. So he goes, I don't know why I'm saying, he was very nice. I don't know why I'm doing it in a gruff voice. I was tired. Forgive me. Come on, somebody. And so he said, you got cows out on 2025 Road. It's over there. Okay, I'll go look. So I'm, I'm talking to him and he said, you got to go, you got to go find them and get them put up. And I went, can I put some pants on first? <laughs> Like, because that's how I answered the door, because it's one in the morning. Am I right? And so he said, yeah, that would be good. Otherwise, there's another conversation we have to have about <laughs> involves prison time. Don't want that. So, <laughs> so we went and found that like, weren't even our cows. Come on, somebody. But I put them in some field, probably not the right field, but I got them in some field. Uh, nevertheless, uh, interruptions. We were working on the Ash Grove Church. Um, there, it's their one-year anniversary today. Come on, somebody. Amen. Yeah. We were... Uh, working on the Ashgrove Church and um, I was over there and we were putting floor together and building and all that stuff which is not stuff that I do very often and uh, I remember it was I think it was Pastor Clinton at one point it's probably 1130 at night he said Pastor Bo thanks for being here you can go home now and what he was saying is listen what you do best is talk but what we need to do is shut up and work but you're talking to everybody and you're slowing the work down you're interrupting our progress. I need you to go, go see your wife, go home. See, sometimes interruptions, sometimes people interrupt you, and sometimes I'm learning I can be the interruption. Matthew chapter 1, uh, we're going to start in verse uh, 18. And for whatever reason, when I read the Christmas story, it just feels like it should be in the good old King James Version. Am I right, somebody? So here's what it says. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on the wise when his mother... Mary was a spouse to Joseph before they came together, was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But he thought on these things, and behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take Mary unto thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Jesus, for shall... For he shall save his people from their sins. So you've got this guy, Joseph, right? He's a good businessman. He's uh, really, his life is coming together. Like, like life is really getting pretty good for Joey, right? Like, like his, he's got this business and it's successful. And, and, and it, people in his town know him there in Nazareth. It's a small, small farming community. Uh, probably kind of like Polk County. Come on. And, and he's, so he's this, he's probably got some livestock. Like life is good, right? Not only that, but the most eligible lady in town he just got engaged to right like like life for Joey finally is really coming together it's looking really good for Joey and then this conversation happens with Mary and she says you guessed it I'm pregnant <laughs> now that's scary enough like with my fourth child my wife walked up to me and we were done having, I told you that I was done at two. She wanted four. We compromised and had four. But at number, after number three, um, she walked up, we were eating pizza and I'm, I beat her to the restaurant. She walked up behind me and she rubbed my shoulders. And I said, you're pregnant, aren't you? <laughs> and she said, you're going to be a daddy again. I was terrified, man. I started weeping. Come on, somebody. No, I'm just kidding. It was great. But, but the reality is like, like they had never been together, right? Like, like they had never, never walked that, that, that part of their relationship out. They weren't married yet. So she comes to, imagine, like your fiance comes to you and says, so good news and bad news, good news, I'm pregnant, bad news, you're not the father, right? Um, and he says, <laughs> sorry, that was, I'm sorry, bad news, uh, good, but the good news is God, God's the father. Like, like, okay, I get it. Like we know the story, but Joseph didn't. Like, what are you thinking? 
Like, what is going on in your mind and heart in that situation? I'm, you're, you're a young, maybe 20-year-old, 22-year-old man, and you hear this. What is going on in your mind? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? What are you contemplating? And then she's trying to tell you this stuff that an angel showed up and the Holy Ghost and what on earth is going on in this setting of Scripture. And it says this about Joseph. Joseph was a righteous man, right? He was in right standing with God. And it says, he didn't want to disgrace her publicly. He didn't want to make a spectacle out of her. He didn't want to, he didn't want her to be put away or be an outcast, or he probably could have had her put to death. And he didn't want any of that to happen, right? He wanted to do the right thing. His heart was right before God. And I think it's so fascinating that the earthly father of Jesus had the same heart that God the Father did with Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve sinned, it says that they hid in their shame. And see, guys, sin is bad, but sin has a way of causing shame and condemnation to come over our life, which causes us to retreat from the heart of God. So things don't go right. So we start backing away from church and backing away from the people of God and backing away from the things of God and backing away from the, what we should be doing, right? But what grace does, God came down in the garden. I've told you all this. God came down in the garden. He knew that he knew what Adam and Eve had done, but it didn't scare him away. Because see, your sin doesn't scare God. Because he wants to bring you a covering called grace to cover your sin and your shame. And that's what he did for Adam and Eve. It says he, he, he sacrificed an animal. I believe it to be a lamb. And he covered them from, he covered their, sh their, their shame and nakedness. And Joseph, in this setting of scripture, there was shame, uh, sin and shame. And versus exposing her to everybody, he said, I have a heart to cover her. Right? He had the heart of God in this sin, in this situ, in the same situation. Shame gets in the way, but grace covers whatever is in the way. And verse 20, he comes to this place. He's having to make a decision. Does anybody like really hard decisions? When there's like a T or a Y or a fork in the road? Is anybody good at it? Because I can employ you right now. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I can't pay you, but I can use hell. No. Uh, like, like there's those ties tough. Right, like, like I don't like really, really hard conversations. Like I hate those those conversations of uh, uh, confrontation, and I hate I hate those really, really difficult decisions that we have to make. And then I'm worried about like the aftermath of those decisions. Like I remember whenever I was going to ask um, my ask Megan to be my wife. Like I had no fear of that at all. Like I was pretty confident I had that on lockdown. Right, like I was confident that she she liked me enough to want to spend the rest of her life with. I don't know why, but she did, I think. So I felt pretty confident. I was terrified to ask her daddy. Come on, somebody. Like that dude, like he, he's awesome. He was awesome. But he's scared. I mean, I want to say he scared me. I'm just going to leave it at that. Right? Like, like he, he, he scared me enough to make sure I was right with God. Come on, somebody. Like I was, I was terrified to, to pull Dave aside. He's amazing. Okay? But I was terrified to pull him aside. But I knew that if I was going to make the right decision, that's something that had to happen. Right? Like I hate those, those really difficult, hard decisions that cause so much agony in our life. And really what we face in these hard decisions with what Joseph faced is this personal desire versus the will of God. Any major decision that you're going to face, this is what's going on. We, have, we all have personal desire. Am I right? Am I right? We all have personal desire, but there's also the will of God. And what we have to figure out is how to marry those two. How to say, God, not my will, but let your will be done. Come on, somebody. Right? Like, 
like, like we have to get to this place where we say, God, I, I don't, I don't, this is what I want, but more than I, more than what I want, I trust your leading and I trust your voice. And notice Joey had the right heart, but he was going to make the wrong decision, Right? Like he had the right heart, like I want to cover her. But what God wanted him to do was marry her. But what he wanted to do was divorce her quietly or let her go quietly where, no, where there was no shame, which is a right heart, but a wrong decision. See, sometimes you can be right and still be wrong. Come on. Come on, somebody. Am I right? I'm not wrong there. Come on. <laughs> like, like you can be right, but have a wrong motive. There's a, there's a term that happens a lot in the, in the Christian world, and they'll say, well, that person's a false teacher or a false prophet, or depending on the way you've heard it. And what makes a person a false teacher or a false prophet isn't if they prophesy or teach falsely. It's if they te prophesy or teach with false motive. There's a difference. Because we all have capacity to miss it. So in your life, when you're making major decisions, we have this, we're at war within ourselves of what we want versus what, what our flesh wants versus what the Spirit of God is trying to tell us in our life, okay? And, and what the reality is, it doesn't make you wrong. If, it doesn't make you bad. If you make a wrong decision with the right motive, it doesn't make you bad. It makes you very, very human. We've all done that. Am I right? Come on, somebody. Like if you've ever gotten an argument with your spouse, you know what I'm talking about. Like it's real. Right? Galatians 5 talks about this, man. Paul talks about this. He says, man, I'm at war. My flesh and my spirit are at war. I want to do the right thing, but I have this tendency to do the wrong thing. And I am so confused and so in inner turmoil so often. We were driving from Joplin one time. Chloe was my oldest daughter, was about four years old. And she's in the back and I'm driving. I'm cruising on E-Highway. And in the back, she goes, God, you're so stupid. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> Come on. I was like, who are you talking to? <laughs> I said, Chloe. She's four, though. So I said, we don't say stupid, okay? We don't do that. It's not a word we use. We're not going to talk like that. We, you know, I'm all getting biblical. I'm like, we only let your speech be uplifting to the guy. He wasn't that bad. Come on. But I was like, listen, you need to not talk like that uh, in the back seat. Don't talk to your brother. Her brother's like two. Like, how is he stupid? I mean, he's a baby. You know what I mean? And so she was like, okay, daddy, thank you. I love you. You're amazing. Uh, <laughs> she didn't say that. I added that. She's in the back seat and we're driving and she's like, she's kind of mumbling. You're just so stupid. I just can't stand you. You're so dumb. I just hate you. You're so stupid. I said, I'm going to pull this car over if you say stupid one more game. Am I, am I talking to any dad now? You know, threaten that. Like, I'm going to put this thing right now in park and we're going to handle it, okay? I'm going to whip your tail. I said that to uh, Briley one time. I said, if you do that again, I'm going to whip your tail. She goes, I don't have a tail. <laughs> she got me. I had to look away. It was so funny. I was like, darn, you're quick. Anyhow, I said, Chloe, I tell you, what, I'm going to pull this car. Megan's a much better mom than me, uh, for sure, and a better parent, too. Uh, <laughs> and so we're driving, and, and just a little bit later, she, Chloe in the back seat's like, you're just so stupid. I just hate you. You're so dumb. You're so stupid. You're just stupid. I just, you're just so stupid. I said, Chloe, rain. And Megan goes, babe, chill out. Let's find out what she's talking about before we just lose it. Come on, somebody. Is it just me? <laughs> Moms are better at this stuff, patience and whatnot, all that you have to have to be a parent. I tell it all the time. And she's like, babe, I do this all the time. Like, you're a better parent than me. I know that. Amen? And so she says, let's, she goes, Chloe, Chloe, what's stupid? She goes, the flesh. It's just so stupid. I just hate it. The flesh. That's what she said. She just, she's saying, I have, at four years old, she's having this revelation that, her, that there's things that she wants to do in her heart and, her, and there's this natural desire that is enmity with that. That was what she was mad at. 
She had a revelation at four years old that I can't get at 35. Come on, somebody. At four years old, she understood something that I'm struggling with a lot in my life, right? Joseph is in this situation. He's trying to decide if he's going to follow the will of God. He said, uh, Paul says in Galatians 5, he says it was for freedom that Christ set you free from the bondage of sin and sla the slavery of sin. Did you hear that? Let me say it again. It was for freedom's sake. Now, I need you to understand something. God loves you so much, it wasn't a quid pro quo. He wasn't like, I'll set you free if you follow me. He, it wasn't, I'll set you free if you do my will. He said, I love you enough to set you free regardless of what you choose. That's like eternity's mic drop right there. That's tough, y'all. Like, I read that, and I'm like, like, it convicts my heart, but at the same time, it compels me to want to do, because that's a love that does something to my heart that says, well, then in that, if that's the case, I want to serve you, and I want to do more for you, right? But he says in this setting of Scripture, in Galatians 5, 1, he goes, no, no, don't misunderstand it. I just love you, so I set you free from everything you may face. And then he says this, but don't go back. Don't go back. What's he saying? Yeah, he's talking about sin, and he will talk about sin, but more than he, not only is he talking about sin, he's also talking about fear and intimidation. He's also talking about loneliness and anxiety. He's also talking about depression, but he's also talking about arrogance and self-reliance. He's saying, I set you free from, from everything that you could face so that you could live up to the standard that which, to which you were created, right? I set you free so you could be everything from the foundations of the world, Ephesians says, that you could be. That's what he says. That's what he says. He says, I set you free so that you could thrive in your life. But don't allow fear to cover you up again. Don't allow confusion don't allow depression. Don't allow addiction. Don't allow arrogance. Don't allow self-reliance and self-dependency. Don't allow all this stuff to tangle you back up. That's what he's saying. He says, I'll set you free. Why would you go back to it? He then later in Ephesians, I'm sorry, in Galatians, says this in verse 17 and 18. He says, the flesh sets its desires against the spirit. Well, here it is. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. And they're opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Here's how cool God is. He loves you so much that he put his spirit inside of you to counteract your stupidity. <laughs> Come on. But I'm, I'm the worst of these, Paul said. I'm way dumber than all y'all. Come on. When it comes to this, here's the reality. I didn't call you specifically dumb. It was a broad statement. Someone's offended right now. It's okay. I love you. Forgive me. <laughs> Here's the reality, guys. Here's, here is the, 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 the truth of the matter. Simply, very, very simply put, we as human beings are selfish. And some of you guys are very not, you're, you're, you're way less selfish than I am. But in our natural state, our, our flesh is at war with the heart of God. And in our natural state, we only do things that are best for us. And Paul's writing there, and he said, because you have a tendency to do whatever you want to do, I'm going to put the spirit, my spirit inside of you to counteract that so that it can lead you, John says. He can be the paraclete, the guide, the Holy Spirit can be the guide, the voice unto all truth. That's what he's saying. He's saying in, in this setting of scripture, he's saying, listen, you have a tendency to do everything that you want to do and not what's right because you have this flesh man that speaks so loud, right? Fear, we talked about last week. Fear and faith will both speak. Which one wins? The one you magnify? 
We have this going on in our life and, and Jesus, God deposited his spirit in you so that you could hear truth and despite what, what, what your own desires and flesh are saying. That's what's going on here. Joseph in this setting of scripture said, I have a natural desire, but God, what do you say? I have this desire to do this in this situation, but God, what do you say? Do we have our own, does anybody have their own dream? Anybody have a dream that God's put in their heart? Can I tell you that I have a dream, but God's mission for my life comes first? Well, that's counter Christian culture though, isn't it? But it's true. He's, Joseph is saying, I am confused, I am conflicted, and I am interrupted, but I trust your voice. I trust your voice. And, and, and he goes on in 20 and 21, and it says that he follows the voice. He's gonna follow the voice of the spirit, right? Imagine, you're coming to this place that you're going to trust a dream in a pregnant teenager. <clears throat> That's faith. That's faith, right? That's faith. What did Joseph face after obedience? I think that's the next question we have to answer ourselves. When we have divine God interruptions in our life, there is always aftermath. Any major decision that we're ever going to make in our life, there is always consequences or major things that happen after our step of obedience. Does anybody assume the worst? There's two of us. Well, I'm so happy for the rest of you righteous people. <laughs> I like don't sleep for six nights. I'm like, well, that's it. The world's going to end. <laughs> right? Like, I put all, like, like and not, even decisions that I don't make, like, even things that are out of my control. Like, I am, am, I, am I talking to anybody in the house? I was, this is a gospel truth story. I think it's a Jeff Foxworthy joke, but this gospel happened in my life. I was at uh, this man's house, this couple's house, and we were talking. And we were talking about people jump to conclusions, right? And we were talking how people jump to irrational conclusions. So we start, we start, I'm not, this is the truth. We started talking, uh, I'm just, this is the truth, okay? I'm not, this is the truth. Started talking about testicular cancer. Really. And we started talking about how people jump to conclusions. Anytime there's, and his wife was in the room and she goes, and she didn't hear the first part. And then she heard the first part and she goes, I think I have that. <laughs> I went, I promise you don't, you've been healed. <laughs> it's true. That's the gospel truth. I can't make it up. I know, I think it's a Foxworthy joke, but that truthfully happened in my life. I could take you to the room that it happened in, amen? It was, a, but we have this tendency to jump to these irrational conclusions, but here is the truth. Radical obedience will always cause you to live in obscurity to people that have nominal faith. Radical obedience will never look normal to people that, that, that don't really walk that way, that don't really live that way. It's just going to be so peculiar to so many people. So Joseph is going, I'm trusting a dream and a teenager. From the outside in, it doesn't make sense. It's obscure. It's crazy to think it's true. Whenever we started growing, in, and I've shared these stories, but we started growing in Stockton Church, and, and God was blessing us, and it was great things were happening. Um, we started looking at building a building, right? And we were looking at how we could do it, and we started meeting with builders and getting plans put together, and the Lord interrupted my life. And he said, I didn't tell you to build. You want to build. So he said, you want to build. He said, I told you what I want you to do is go to another city and plant another church. I want the resource that you would pay monthly on a payment to be invested in another location so that people can find me in another location. 
And and now Ash Grove's a year old and Nevada's doing good and you guys are killing it and God's doing all these amazing things. But it was a result of a divine interruption that made me very uncomfortable. So when I have this conversation, when I talk like a pastor's conference in my new pastor's meetings and stuff, we're talking about it and people start asking me like what the church is like. And I say, well, we're rural, rural, rural. We believe that God wants to do great things in rural America. So we're planning churches and we're, you know, and all that stuff that you have to talk about. And they look at me like, oh, oh okay. So like you preach in one place and you satellite to everywhere else. And I'm like, no, nah, we don't really do it that way and then I get the, this confusing look and they're like well how do you do it and I'm like well we really believe that God wants to raise people up so not only that but we've sent pastors to pastor other churches even one guy pastored two miles from my house another guy uh, real close to our to one of our to two of our churches right like we believe that God wants to train people and God wants to do these great things and, and so we don't do we don't do video not that we never will but we don't do video because I believe the mission has to be greater than me and then I get this look <laughs> from these men of faith. It's hilarious. They're like, oh, how's that working? <laughs> I'm like, man, it's good. You like the people? They okay with that? I said, I got the best people on the planet, man. Come on, that's you guys. Clap for yourself. Come on, somebody. I said, they get it. They get that people are going to hell in other cities. And that if we're going to reach these other cities, we're in rule. Like, like we're not expecting any location to run 5,000 people. We're expecting a location that needs to run 50 to be the best church of 50 that it could be. Or 500, the best church of 500 that it can be. That means we're going to add services. Come on, somebody in January. Anybody excited about that? Hey, man, I don't know if winter is the best time, but it's our time. Come on, somebody. Which actually is right at our two-year anniversary, three-year anniversary or something like that. Clinton will know. But here's what's cool, man. Here's what's crazy awesome. Like, God is so honoring it. And I tell people, I tell these guys, I'm like, and we're seeing God raise people up to do what God has created them to do. And if we make it all about me, then we're stifling other people's anointings, giftings, and callings. Right? We believe that we have to send people. And I tell these pastors, they go, and that includes me from time to time, so I don't get to preach in my own church all the time, and I could be at the other campuses. And you know what? God is doing amazing things. Right? It's from the outside looking in. It is so peculiar. But like uh, Pastor Clinton said a couple weeks ago, we've seen 150 people make decisions for Jesus this year alone. It's actually been more than that. And that's not even counting events that we've done. That's just in, in Hill Churches. Guys, that is crazy. Joey in this, Joseph or Joey, I call him Joey because he's my boy. Joey in this setting of scripture believed in this crazy pregnancy and baby, he believed that it was greater than him. I believe the mission is greater than me and so should you. You should believe the mission is, whatever mission God has you on in your life, you should, be, you should believe that it's greater than you. That it's greater than your capacity to do in and of and by yourself. Now imagine, I'm trying to bring this, trying to land this thing, but imagine, you've been nine months trusting this thing and it's time to have the baby. 40 weeks. Anybody ever travel with a 40-week pregnant woman? On a donkey? God in heaven. I, when I reread that, Clinton, I was fasting and praying in tongues for Joseph. I thought, Lord, how'd he do it? You know what I mean? Like, like I'm not being mean. I'm just saying, can you imagine the bathroom breaks? <laughs> it's just okay. <laughs> All the guys laughed and all the ladies hate me. Uh, <laughs> no, like I'm trying to picture this. Like, hey, JR, I'm trying to picture this story. Imagine you're pregnant with, with Jackson, you, your wife. I told you, I'm pregnant right along with her. I get morning sickness, my back hurts, it's awful. Uh, so, uh, matter of fact, she loses the weight and I find it. It's been, uh, anyhow. Uh, Julie's pregnant. She's traveling on a donkey. Megan's pregnant. We're, we're traveling on a donkey several miles. We get to the hotel, there ain't no room. You know what Megan would have said? I told you to book this in advance. 
she's like, how are you going to raise God's kid like that? That's what, right? Like, like, can you imagine? Like, I'm a fable. Can you imagine? What would you say? I don't want to know what you said to Mason. Mason, I'm praying for you, brother. Like, like, I'm just trying to imagine what this would have been like. Like, I'm putting myself in that position. And I'm like, God, I bet. Oh, man, poor Joseph. Amen. And poor Mary. I realize it's awful for her, too. But here's the reality. We feel like if we're doing what God's called us to do, that if, if we're obeying the voice of God, that we'll be void of discouragement or void of pain or void of problems I can tell you Mary had morning sickness just because she was doing or carrying what God asked her to carry did not mean that it would be pain or problem free didn't mean that it would be distraction free didn't mean that it would be interruption free but so often we feel like if we're going to obey God then we're going to be void of all these challenges and here's the reality Jesus came because you were going to have problems because you're going to have troubles. Because you're going to face discouragement. Even if you're doing the will of God. So I told you all last week, it's been the hardest year I've ever had as a, in ministry and in my life. We're doing the will of God. It ought to be nothing but like high fives and pancakes and glory to God. Come on. It's been, it's been hell this year. It's been tough. Right? It doesn't mean we're missing God. It really means that we're doing what God wants us to do. And then we don't like it. Like, she wasn't void of problems. They get there, and the, and the, the innkeeper um, says, well, there ain't no room, but I got a barn. I'm trying to imagine Joseph coming back to the car. You get us a room, baby? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> I know that you're having labor pains. And we going out back to the shed. Come on. But he said that it's warm and there's some hay. Like, is that sterile dog? I'm trying to picture myself in this situation. But then I picture myself in my situations. And I have these interruptions that feel like they get me off the right path. They feel like they get me off of the path that I'm supposed to be on. And I'm frustrated by the, the distractions. And, and as I follow the course of these distractions, they seem to get me further and further away from the path fable that I'm supposed to be on. But then I read Luke 2.12. And the angels are talking to the shepherds and they say this, they say, this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby in swaddling clothes in a manger. See, is it possible that the distractions or the interruptions you face aren't about you, but it's because someone else needs to find Jesus? Come on, somebody. Because if they were in the inn and the shepherds were in the manger, they never would have connected. So sometimes, guys, God interrupts your life and it ain't about you. It's so someone else can find Jesus. See, so often, Fable, so often we feel like these distractions get us off the path. But in reality, maybe they're trying to get us on the right path that God had in store all along. And maybe your plan was the wrong path and God disrupted or interrupted your life to get you where he needed you to be. I was thinking about our church and I was thinking about Pastor Clinton and Ashley and how they had this major interruption in their life. This major interruption that did didn't seem good from the outside in it was it, it should have it should have took them out but they just said God I welcome the disruption I welcome the the interact the, the interruption in my life 
Because I know you're not surprised by it. And that very interruption could have put them away, brought them to the hill. Come on, come on. I truthfully, I thought about, I thought about my life and, and there's a guy named Pastor Steve. He's, gosh, one of the best preachers in the country. He's preaching uh, in two weeks right here. Do not miss. It is, he is incredible, y'all. And he was my pastor and, and my wife was selling suits when she was uh, in, in college. And, and Pastor Steve was eating with his daughter and he looked at the suit store and he said, uh, Shelby's daughter was eight or nine. And he says, I got to go into that suit store. The Lord's telling me to go. And she said, she goes, you're going to talk to someone, aren't you? You're going to be in there forever. <laughs> Like, like your boy right here talks for a Megan wasn't the one selling him suits. There was another girl that Steve got to minister to. Megan overheard the conversation and heard he just planted a church. And she said, my husband's going to love you. Here, we've been looking for a church for two years around this Joplin, Oklahoma area. We've been traveling back and forth to, to where we live some. We're trying to find a place that God has for us. And we went that next day and we've been connected forever since. Truthful, I am who I am. Because someone said, I'm okay with heaven's interruption for my life. He could have said, I don't have time. I think he got a good deal on the suit too. So he could just, God just could want you to get a good deal. Come on, somebody. He could have said, I don't have time. But he didn't. He said, I have my plan. But I trust your path. I have my desire. But I trust your will. I wasn't just thinking about that. I was thinking about Pastor Nick. He was leading worship at a, at a, at a camp that I was going to be preaching at. And I agreed to preach the camp. And then I tried to get out of it. It just didn't feel right. I, didn't, my, I just didn't in my flesh. It was like, I don't really want to do that. I, I thought maybe I can get out of this. And I couldn't. And so I went and preached and connected with Pastor Nick, who now pastors our Ash Grove campus. Like, there's stories like this of all the leaders. said yes to an interruption it set them on the path to the promise that God had what's your point Pastor Bo? and now my point's not that they're easy my point's not that like Joseph was excited about it matter of fact they're hard my point is if we trust God truly trust God we plan our way says that it's a righteous man plans his way but the steps are ordered we plan our way but then we say okay God what do you say I have an idea but more than I have an idea I trust your voice so right now would you bow your heads as they get ready to sing and Pastor Clinton's going to come and give a fiery altar call and, and we're going to go play in the Chiefs and forwards in the snow later glory to God the Chiefs are going to win It is, because I want to know But right now, I'm sorry, I don't know. But right now, God, all sincerity, God, we simply say today, we welcome your interruptions. We trust that any interruption that we may face that's from you is divine. Not to get us off track, but to get us on the right track. We trust what you say over, we see, over what we see, and we say, have your will. 